0: kinks and beats daily i am your host tony fry today is february 3rd and on this day in 1947 dave davies lead guitar player and founding member of the kinks was born so happy birthday to dave who is 73 today um, hope you're listening hope you're well hope you and ray are putting together some new music for us a little bit of housekeeping um, i've been getting some great calls For our Mars picks, Uh, but I'm gonna have to put an end to a deadline to this so that I can actually record the episode. So, the question is if you're being sent to Mars and you can only take one Kinks or Beatles album with you as your sole source of musical entertainment, which one do you pick and why? Please submit your answers in a voicemail to 925 494 1739 no later than February 8th, 2020. All right, Then I'm cutting it off because i got to record the episode. Uh, again, that number, 925-494-1739. If you ever want to reach out to me, I know I rattle off phone numbers and emails and Twitter handles and all that stuff. You can always just go to HeroHabit.com. Easy to remember. And if you go to the podcast page, all of the information you need about this podcast is right there. How you can... Email me how you can leave a voicemail for the podcast, how you can subscribe on various different platforms, how you can contribute $4 a month to keep the show ad free. Oh, that reminds me, this um, Mars episode will be delivered first to those folks who are subscribing as a thank you. Um, You'll all hear it eventually, but I want to thank the people who are um, contributing. It means a ton to me and, you know, it takes a lot of work, obviously, to get these podcasts out, um, which I'm willing to do. But it also takes some money. And so to keep the show ad free, I'm just asking a few people, if you're so inclined, swing by the site and contribute $4 a month. All you got to do, you set it up once. uh, It'll come out every month on its own. You can cancel anytime. All right. Today, we are talking about Strawberry Fields Forever. I've been waiting for this episode since I started this podcast. At any given moment, This is the song I refer to as my favorite Beatles song, most consistently. And of course, that changes all the time, right? We all know today we say Strawberry Fields is our favorite, and then in a week, something is our favorite, and then in a week, anytime at all is our favorite. But more consistently, through the entire time I've been a a Beatles fan, I have gravitated towards this song. And it also happens to be an incredibly interesting story that I'm sure you've all heard before, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper. This is the most notes I've ever written for an episode, and there's so much stuff that's not in my notes. I actually considered doing a two-parter so I could do an analysis, but I might end up doing a little write-up on it also. So, Strawberry Fields Forever was released February 13th, 1967 as a double-A side with Penny Lane which means that usually you've got an A-side and a B-side, and the A-side is the one that the radio stations play, and the B-side is just there because you need to fill the vinyl with something. And in America, um, both sides could chart. So you could have a B-side. If DJs were playing it on the radio, it could make it onto the charts. So the Beatles decide, why don't we, instead of fighting about which song is better, Strawberry Fields or Penny Lane, an impossible argument, although I have my favorite, Let's let the DJs decide. So they boot him out as a double-sided A. Um, They they did this a few times in their career. Uh, And it was actually the first single to be produced on a picture sleeve. So that's something. But it's also the first single not to reach number one spot since Please Please Me in 1963, despite selling more copies than the number one song Release Me by Engelbert Humperdinck. Um, Part of this is because back in the day, only the sales from the best-selling side were counted for the single. So sales of a double A were essentially split in half. Now, I don't understand how you determine which uh, song someone was purchasing the single for. And if radio play was the total... um, deciding factor that would be easy but if you're basing this on sales of the 45 which back in those days singles were sales um not just downloads on spotify um i don't really understand i mean i kind of get it because you can't put both songs at number one so it's it's a weird situation but you know it is a trivia question that the beatles went all the way until 1967 before they ever had a, a, a song not chart at number one. Um, it peaked at number eight in the U.S. Penny Lane reached number one, but uh, because the United States charts, uh, radio play of both songs could f- factor into the charts, Strawberry Fields peaked at number eight. Um, yeah, so that's the chart positions. So the song was originally intended for Sgt. Pepper, but management, record companies, all those folks could not wait for a Beatles project, project. Um, so it was issued as a single instead. Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields were meant for Sgt. Pepper, and I'm not saying you need to take anything off of Sgt. Pepper to make room for him. It's a a fairly short album. You might have been able to squeeze him in and still keep the other songs, but can we just think for a second about a Sgt. Pepper album with Strawberry Fields Forever on it? How I mean, it's already arguably, debatably, the most important album in rock history. And one of the, you know, the Beatles masterpiece. It's still, to this day, you know, OK Computer is Radiohead Sgt. Pepper. Dark Side of the Moon is Pink Floyd Sgt. Pepper. It's still. uh, 50-plus years later, the gold standard for records. And these two songs were just thrown off of it. Why? Because it had been too long since the Beatles had released something. Because now they're not touring, and they're taking some extra time in the studio. And so, so much time had passed between their last product and uh, February 1967. or Yeah, 1956. God, now I can't talk. Uh, February 1967, the the record companies were afraid we'd forget about the Beatles. It has been six months since Revolver was released. So in the six months following Revolver, which was at the time, arguably, the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper, and one of the most important rock albums of all time, and some to this day will argue, a better album than Pepper, was six months prior. And between Revolver and Sgt. Pepper is uh, nine months. Let that sink in. They couldn't wait nine months. And in that time, uh, they did release All You Need Is Love and Baby You're a Rich Man as a single before Sergeant Pepper came out. So there, was, there were two singles between Revolver and Sgt. Pepper in a nine-month span. This need for output is just baffling to me. And the fact that bands like The Beatles and The Kinks could not only meet that demand, but with each subsequent album improve and innovate is just beyond reality. I mean, there's not a band on the planet nowadays that could do the level of output at the breakneck speed as the bands of the 60s did. You know, even when these bands, whether it was the Kinks as a band or the Beatles as a solo artist, um, went into the 70s and 80s, they weren't matching this kind of output. Okay. So recording begins for Strawberry Fields November 24th, 1966, in a seven and a half hour session. One take of the song was recorded uh, with several overdubs. And it is a masterpiece. Some of you might have heard a version of this um, take on Anthology 2. They, uh, I think they leave some stuff off. I think there's some background vocals and stuff that are off. Um, And then on the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's box set, the full version, remastered, um, is included on that of Take One. And if they would have released Take One on an album or as a single, it would have still stood as one of their finest songs. And in my opinion, and I love Sergeant Pe- or, uh, Strawberry Fields. Remember, I just said it's one of my favorite songs by any artist, let alone just the Beatles. But Take One, from a purely uh just taking the song as a piece of beautiful music take one might actually be superior than to the release version it starts off with a cold open the mellotron flutes are still heard in there the the now iconic opening line is still heard within the mix of the song but there's this beautiful uh closing instrumental passage that i wish would have been utilized it's just take one is perfect. And this shows, this speaks more to the strength of the songwriting than anything else. Obviously, the strength of the musicianship is, you know, nobody's questioning that. But the song is such a well written and well constructed song that through all these different arrangements that we're about to talk about um, and very different iterations of the style, the speed, the feel the vibe of all of it it's a good song every step of the way so that's november 24th then on the 28th 1966 takes two through four were recorded and take four was marked best and this most closely resembles the first half of the final version it's not the part that they would use but we now have the flute intro or mellotron specifically um and it's starting to feel a little bit more like the final version we know. The next night, they do takes five through six. Six is now marked best and mixed down in a take seven. And take seven, uh, we will talk about later. So keep that in mind. Now, every step along the way, every remake of this song, And I'm saying remake because for all intents and purposes, take one is a finished track. They did overdubs. They did vocals. It's a finished track. So takes two through four, those are remakes. We are starting from scratch. But every remake of the song gets a little bit faster, which will come into play later. So then the Beatles sit on it for a little bit, presumably you know, for the cup uh, a week or two. On December 8th, John decides to try it a different way with some George Martin orchestrating. And the band works just shy of nine hours on takes nine through 24 of the song, which um, actually produces two takes that are used. George Martin edited the first three quarters of take 15 and to the last quarter of take 24. And that becomes take 25. All right. So this is another remake. And during this session, we get what will be known as the last half of Strawberry Fields Forever. The next day, they go back in. They do some overdubbing, including Harrison's uh, Sword Mandel, which is uh, often mistaken as being a sitar. But it's more like an Indian harp. And you hear it all over the recording. And then December 15th, trumpets and cellos were added to the track, and the song um, gets really heavy. Ringo's drum sound on this at this point is so heavy. There's just so much going on, and it's really fast. If you listen to these takes um, as they're released, and several of them have been released either on Anthology 2 or on the Sgt. Pepper box. Um, Some of these are crazy fast So that was 15th, December 21st Some piano and vocal overdubs And December 22nd, 1966 One of the more groundbreaking dates in musical history As far as rock and roll is concerned Because George Martin is asked by John Lennon To combine the first part of Take 7 Remember we talked about that from over a month ago And the last part of Take 26 to make one song he liked the slower folksier version but he also liked the version with all the drums and the horns and the cellos problem is both of these songs are in two different tempo which we just talked about uh take 26 is stupid fast i mean because you're so used to have heard it one way for 50 plus years um, hearing it that fast is just, it sounds twice as fast as it actually is. So they're in two different tempi, and they're in two different keys. And this is the days before Pro Tools. Nowadays, we can auto-tune it, we can shift the whole song down to the right key without adjusting the speed. Or we can stretch or, or, you know the speed and slow it down or speed it up without affecting the pitch. 1966 this is not an option the only way they can achieve these things is literally slowing the tape down or speeding the tape up and when you slow the tape down obviously the tempo um shifts slower but the pitch actually drops too and then the opposite is true of the opposite so this is called pitch shifting for that reason and um so we've got a problem here Because we've got two different tempo, two different pitches, harmonic foundations. So in order to achieve a seamless edit, and I use seamless in quotes, I can hear it, you can probably hear it. Uh, You'll be able to hear it after I tell you where it is if you haven't heard it before. Take seven is sped up just a hair. Take 26 is slowed down quite a bit. And now the tempo and the key a line on both takes and I want you to sit and think about the magic involved in this had either track been a few clicks faster or slower then lining up the tempo wouldn't line up the pitches had either track uh been in a different key or if they were recorded in the same key we wouldn't be able to line up the tempos right if both songs were re- or both takes were recorded in b flat you can't adjust the speed because now you adjust the speed to meet in the middle now the first take is in b flat and the second half is in a flat or g right you can't make the adjustment so for both of these tracks and for george martin to sit down and figure out um all right i need to speed this one up by four percent and slow this one down by twelve percent and then they'll meet in the middle for them to sit down and figure it out and for it to work is damn near magic it's witchcraft i tell you witchcraft If you don't want to know where the edit is, cover your ears. It's at the one minute mark. Um, And then you hear John say, let me take you down because I'm going. And then on two, you hear the strings come in and you hear a distinct shift in the timbre of his voice. The second half, like we've talked about, is uh, slowed down considerably. And you can hear it in the way John sings. He almost sounds spooky. You know, let me take you down. He's got that, it sounds like a pitch shifted vocal. And then the trumpets, uh, especially the cellos, I think sound cool with that pitch shifted tone. But the trumpets especially don't sound quite right. You know, and had they pitch shifted everything and scored it later, you know, George Martin may have come up with a different arrangement to not have the trumpets playing in that range or something because they don't sound right i mean it sounds great but they you know it it's not real strong trumpet sound that's because of the pitch shift the version on the love soundtrack which is amazing i encourage if you haven't listened to the love soundtrack in a while go back and listen to the strawberry fields it's my favorite version uh on that album uses the modern technology So they can make the shift without changing the timbre. So John's voice doesn't sound shifted. Um, The brass doesn't sound shifted. Everything just works. And, uh, And you hear what would have been very easy for George Martin to do with modern technology had he had it in 1966. Now, because of the importance of this song, Uh, several different versions have been released on official Beatles recordings. All right. So obviously, Magical Mystery Tour has the version that was released as a single. Okay. Love has a beautiful version. Uh, we've got on Sgt. Pepper, a stereo mix from 2015. On, thalo- on, on anthology two, take one not quite, I don't think in its entirety. I think there's some editing on it. Um, take one is also on the sergeant pepper box. We have take seven on the sergeant pepper box. We have take 26 on the sergeant pepper box. Take four which I talked about uh, was very close to what would eventually become Take Seven. A demo of John just on an acoustic guitar on the anthology. Take Seven edited with um, the fade-out that was used on the single on the anthology. We've got... I guess that's all of them. So there's a lot of ways you can listen to this song and its progress throughout the way. I think you listen to all of them. They're all really cool in their own way. They're all um, distinctly different, and most of them are complete songs on their own. You know, like I said, take one might be my favorite. And again, the Love version combines a lot of different takes. It's not just a cleaned-up version of the single they incorporate elements of take one and other takes into the song as well. And then the fade out incorporates like 50 different Beatles songs. So at the risk of going a little long, I'm not going to get too much into the harmonic structure of this song. It's uh, basically in the key of B flat. He does some uh, cool shifting between like, like he has a b flat chord and then an f sharp or f minor seven f seven would be the major but f minor seven almost acts like a two chord and so we get the b flat your home key because i'm going to then the g7 Is real. And then this part's cool. A bar of two four. Nothing to get hung about. And then a bar of three, four. Strawberry fields forever. So in that little bit, he goes uh two, four, 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 three, four. Which is something John does a lot. George does it. Paul does it a lot too, but um, You hear John just adding or taking away beats from the ends of phrases a lot, all over the place. Um, And then the living is easy with eyes closed. Living is easy with eyes closed. Misunderstanding all you see. E flat to F, to B flat, to G minor. E flat. That's a four, five, four, one. So with some exceptions, he uses some cool chords, but it is kind of grounded in B flat for the most part. Um, and then we have the fade out. And I've decided I'm going to do a bonus episode on this. That like all of our bonus episodes going out, will go first to our subscribers. Um, at the fade out, we hear one of the legendary Paul is dead clues with John supposedly saying I buried Paul in the background of this chaotic mess of sound that we hear. He's actually saying cranberry sauce. He says it twice. It makes no sense to say cranberry sauce when we're talking about strawberry fields. But that was John. Who knows what was going through his head? Um, but I think we'll do an episode about the Paul is dead clues quote-unquote as a bonus episode but this is one of them i buried paul at the end of this and that's another thing like you listen to the instrumental uh closing coda on take one and as cool as the fade-in is for that coda on the final release version the take one is so beautiful i didn't even mention this song i'm telling you Listen to the end, the strawberry feels forever. Um You hear George do a little guitar lick Dia and then the cellos da bum 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 then George then cellos da and then that uh that Indian harp ding dong, ding da right? There's this call and response between all the instruments in that fade-out that is just perfect. No one single line. I don't want to hear the cellos play all that. I don't want to hear the electric guitar. And can we talk about how good the electric guitar tone is on those little lead lines? But when you mix it all up, it's this back and forth bouncing all over. It adds to the chaotic uh, vibe of that whole section. But really listen to the back and forth, all the interplay between the different instruments, either being at George or the orchestrations by George Martin. It's Strawberry Fields Forever, guys. It's a great tune. I hope you go listen to it a hundred times today. Listen to every take. They're all on Spotify, um, if you don't own them already. But go enjoy this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this song or any song. Give me a call, 925-494-1739. Let me know about your favorite or least favorite songs by the Beatles, the Kinks, the solo acts. Um, And then don't forget to get your Mars picks in by the end of the week. All right, I've gone on long enough. I think this is our longest episode um, devoted to just one song. Um, Thank you for hanging on till the end. If you like what we're doing here, please consider just $4 a month, 20 cents an episode uh, to help us keep the lights on and to keep the episodes uh, ad-free, except for this ad that I'm giving you right now, obviously. All right. Have a great day. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com, collect your heroes.